Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store of all the sounds you'll hear this summer. <laughs> this might be your new favorite. They're blending up the new chocolate chip iced cap at Tim Hortons. Real chocolate chips blended into an iced cap for a sweet summer treat. It's Tim Hortons frozen take on a cappuccino. And it just might be the best sound of summer. Hurry into Tim Hortons for the new chocolate chip iced cap. Limited time at participating restaurants. Welcome everyone to episode 173 of the NBA podcast. I'm Brian Taporic, and today we're going to continue along with our division previews. We're hitting the Southwest Division today. Before we get started, a reminder, you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA pod. In our bio, you can find our Twitter handle, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. We'd love any feedback. And we're being hosted on the Almighty Baller Podcast Network, so check them out on Twitter, at AlmightyCasts. Joining me today, as always, is my very stable genius of a co-host, Morton Jensen. How's it going, Mort? Hey, Brian, it's going well. I'm just sort of puzzled about something. Do I win the title of President of the United States if I can pronounce anonymous? <laughs> I think you win if you don't have everyone who's ever worked against you turn against you. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. yeah oh, okay. Pretty sure that's how it works these days. Mm, interesting. <laughs> uh, we also have a special guest today, Mason Ginsberg, who writes for Bourbon Street Shots. How's it going, Mace? Uh, pretty good. Uh, thanks for having me on. Excited to uh, to run down the uh, the, the the division uh, that has. Uh, didn't really think about it until someone tweeted at me uh, the other day, but it's definitely no longer the strongest division in the NBA. I feel like it was it ran that way for a few few years. Um, I don't. I don't think uh, they can call that title theirs anymore. But uh, still, should be a little competitive. That, yeah, I, I think it's at least like every team has interesting storylines going into the season. Mm-hmm. So you've got that going for you. You're not like the Southeast, which I'm already just actively dreading <laughs> to do a podcast about. Uh, but before we get underway, could you let our listeners know where they can find you on Twitter and anywhere else they can find your work? Yeah, sure. So uh, I write for. Uh, Bourbon Street Shots, uh, which is True Hoop Network affiliate for the Pelicans. Um, not writing as much as I used to, but I do. Uh, me and Schmidt uh, Dua co-host the Bourbon Street Shots podcast. We, we're going to pick that up uh, on a weekly basis, starting in the uh, you know starting when the season really gets going. Uh, but you can find uh, any of my work there, uh, as long as well as the rest of our uh, awesome team. Uh, and uh, uh, Twitter handle for that is just Bourbon Street Shots with a uh, street abbreviated. So. Uh, yeah, check it out. A uh, lot of a lot of lot of good talent uh, over over there at Bourbon Street Shots. I love the guys that we work with. Very good. Yeah, give him a follow. Give them a follow. The Pelicans. I mean, let's just start with them because I think they're going to be probably like one of the most interesting teams, not only in this division but across the league. And I think we have to start with the obvious: Anthony Davis. After Demarcus Cousins went down, he played at an MVP caliber pace. I mean. Like, he's always has, but, like, he went to another level, and which is scary. And he's only, what, like, 25? Like, he's just entering his prime. 
So Mason, what do you expect from Anthony Davis this season? Yeah, it's a it's a good question, and I almost it, I, so I did a, a a preview podcast with Adam for Locked On Nuggets uh, a couple couple days ago, and I almost jumped to the negatives, uh, which I don't see it a ton as it relates to how the team finished last year versus how they're going to start this year. But I'm really interested to see how the Pelicans, Anthony Davis and Drew in particular, those two guys, can play at the torrid pace that the Pelicans were playing at ever since Cousins went down. And so, I mean, if they if they keep this pace up for 82 games, what's what's the result? How, I mean, the, the num- Anthony Davis's numbers should be astronomical, but at the same time, ha- how many minutes does he play every night? Can when you're playing that many possessions a game, uh, what where where is the drop off? Cuz there has to be some uh, it's just it's too long of a season. Uh, I don't think the Pelicans are a team like the Spurs or, or like even like at LeBron's point with the Lakers of taking games off. Um, mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, what's what's the residual impact of the pace the Pelicans play at if they're going to try to play at that pace for 82 games? But, I mean, all, <laughs> apart from that, I mean, it, it's it's hard to think that he's going to have any sort of drop off from what how he finished last season. The, the pairing with him and Nico fits so well. I think Julius Randle is going to be an awesome third big for them. He's going to he's going to uh, be. Uh, it's just going to be a really really fun threesome between him, Nico, and uh, and Randall. So uh, very excited to see how he does in a full eighty two game season with the with the pace and, and style of play that they established after Cousins went down. Yeah, if I wasn't an egregious Philly homer, I would say the Pelicans have my favorite front court in the league now. Because as you said, like <laughs> Brow and Nico played so well together. Now you add in Julius Randle, who played really well for the Lakers last year. He was their best player. And so that's my next question. Mort, I'm going to throw this one to you. How do you see Randle fitting in into that rotation? And do you think, is he going to supplant Nico in the starting lineup? Or do you think he'd be better off coming off the bench and then pairing with either one of those guys? Honestly, I don't think it matters all that much in, in terms of who starts at the four. AD is obviously going to play the five. Like, just off of personal preference, I would I would prefer Randall off the bench because he's a playmaker and he's a guy who can go coast to coast. He can sort of lead that second unit. And mm-hmm. you would you would kind of prefer to, to pair AD with, with a stretch shooter in terms of, of Miritich specifically. But, but you can mix and match. And you can do so somewhat effortlessly because, you know, Randall is not a non-shooter anymore. He's not mm-hmm. one of those guys who has to stay around like the the five feet mark. Like he can stretch the court, even if he, it's not a three. Like he can pop from mid range, and he will take the occasional three. Like on the corner, you need to guard him. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't really be that nervous about who starts or whatever because it will make it work. But just off a of personal preference again, like he's a great ball handler. He can he can pass. We know he can pass. I would love to see that off the bench and, and just being like the king of the second unit. Yeah. Yeah, I think what's interesting is that really all three of those guys can play either front court position. I mean, you don't yeah. want Nico out there as the five like for 30 minutes a night, but in a small ball unit, he could play that. Randall played more center than ever last year. Like the Lakers played him predominantly a power forward the first couple seasons, but I think it was like a 60-40 split last year between the four and the five. So you it like it almost doesn't matter. You know, I don't think they're gonna have like positional designations when the with those three guys. <laughs> it's just gonna be like throw two of them out there and just figure it out. But that's gonna make it really hard on defenses because like who you know who's who's guarding fours, who's guarding fives won't matter. Like they, they could have a very 
switchy defense, I feel like, which is going to be <laughs> good luck to the other team. Well, I actually have a question regarding that. So, you know, the Bulls played Nico at the three some. You, you should never mm-hmm. really play Nico at the three. But when you look at the Pelicans specifically and their wing slot, especially their small forward mm-hmm. position, like, is is it worth it to actually trot that at lineup out of AD, Randall, and Nico at the fourth, f- five, four, and three, just because the alternative is, like, Solomon Hill? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I think it's so. All, all the points you guys have raised have been spot on. I mean, I think. I think. Uh, I think Nico is the guy who starts. I mean, you pick up where you left off last season. I think it's that's pretty pretty easy. And then any of those th- three guys can play together at the four and the five. And and um, and regarding the, the switchability, I, I think that's big. And I think that's what uh, part of what helped the Pelicans last season. Uh, obviously, their one glaring weakness is the lack of. Their wing depth. I mean, at Solomon Hill, the you know the non-existent offensive resource that he was, he still <laughs> he still a couple of years ago was very solid for them on defense. And last year, I just think he didn't get back to a hundred percent from his hamstring injury. Um, mm-hmm. But history shows those tend to hail completely. Uh, most recent example would be Chris Middleton. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I'm not concerned about Hill getting back to where he was on defense last year. The question is whether or not he can provide anything on, on offense. And so the, the trick is I, I think you will see a decent amount of minutes with those three bigs playing together. Maybe not a ton, but enough to really keep your keep your heads above water given that, that lack of, of, of wing depth. That I, but we also saw how much Gentry likes playing the three-guard lineups together. Each one more, mm-hmm. I think, didn't get enough credit on the defensive end last year because – he always ended up having to guard the, the the three, and he's a he's a strong defender. He's not great, but he's mm-hmm. above average. He, he's definitely good enough, and it, but it's tough when he's guarding guys three, four inches taller than him on a nightly basis. And so I know Drew took on more and more of those matchups in the playoffs, but in the regular season, they asked more to do a lot of that. And so uh, I, I think it'll be interesting to see either if you go Drew Moore and those three bigs, or or Drew Moore Hill and two of those bigs. Uh, I, I think the one thing Gentry's got to be careful about, and I know we'll probably talk about the other new addition in a second, is mm-hmm. playing Solomon Hill and Alfred Payton together. Um, they, oh, yeah. They wouldn't, uh, we didn't really get to see how he would have managed that much last year because of Hill's injury. Um, but Rondo and Rondo and uh, Hill, I'm not sure, I'm not sure games would have worked out very well for the Pelicans if those two guys had gotten a bunch of minutes together. And so how he kind of balances those, those are two of the two biggest non-shooters. And I know Randall probably fits into that as well to a, uh, to a degree. But um, as far as backcourt goes, I don't think he, we, the Pelicans can really uh, manage a, a ton of minutes with those two playing at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, yeah. I would agree. I mean, could you imagine, like, you know, Hill and Randall and Peyton on the court at the same time. I mean, every, you just you would just be able to clock the lane. Yeah, I mean, that that should just be a non-starter, obviously. So, where does the shooting come from? Um, so I, I don't. I think that was kind of an a, a little bit of an overplayed line last year. I mean, the, so the Pelicans didn't didn't shoot the ball well that well down right. the stretch when uh, after Cousins went out. They were actually a pretty good shooting team with Cousins on the floor. Cousins loves to take threes. We all know that. He shot, I, I think he shot around 35%, which is, you know, especially for a center, that's that's fine. Um, and they had guys like Darius Miller step up. and But the thing is, when Cousins went down, he's a guy who really took a step back. I think I think Cousins helped give a guy like Miller some more space to shoot. And um, without him, he didn't he didn't shoot so well. So they're going to really need him to bounce back and give I'd say give the Pelicans you know 15, 20 quality minutes off the bench where he can he can be a, a shooter that at least is worth worth defending. 
Um, yeah. Another guy who who the opposite was true for uh, went at pre post Cousins and with Nico on the team was Ian Clark. Uh, Ian Clark mm-hmm. really took a step up um, after you know, with that. The, the team that we ended up seeing that the Pelicans finish the season with and going to the playoffs with. And so I think uh, I, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do, getting him back on non-bird, uh, what, what I think was a kind of a sneaky big move for the Pelicans and kind of helping out their, their backcourt depth. Um, only other guy to really uh, mention is, is Frank Jackson, who, if he can ever stay healthy, he's, he's, he, he had a great one half in summer league and he got a lot of people excited. And obviously <laughs> summer league's not really nothing you want to project forward with, but uh, he, he's shown that he's, he's a pretty talented basketball player and the Pelicans do have high hopes for him, but he's had uh, injury troubles. Uh, so it will be interesting to see what they can get out of him. But yeah, I mean, over, overall from a shooting perspective, I don't think the Pelicans are going to be at the top of the league. I don't think they're going to be at the bottom of the league. I think they've got an, enough to, uh, to have about a league average three-point percentage. But the question that comes along with that is, you know, can you force teams to guard you? Because uh, that's what really opens up the space for the rest of the guys. And, that, and that, that's that's the key, I think, to to really sustaining a, a strong uh, offense for this Pelicans team. Because defensively, they're sound. They've got they've got some talent on the defensive end. Uh, it's whether or not they can be, you know, in the upper half of the league to borderline top 10 offense uh, in a sustainable manner that will really uh, – see if this team can can get close to that 50 win threshold yeah yeah uh so let's actually go into as you alluded to the other big offseason addition was they lost rajan rondo and in his place they have alfred payton uh i mean you know talking about you, you were mentioning like the three wing lineup a couple minutes ago payton's got four inches on rondo so i guess you could like technically just trot out him Drew and Etwan Moore, and you just got like three guys who are six four, six five, and they can all kind of switch on a possession by possession basis if needed. But as you mentioned, offense is the bigger concern with him. He's not a great shooter. He did shoot thirty seven percent or so uh, in Orlando last year before he got traded to Phoenix, but then he shot twenty percent from three in Phoenix, which is not great. And and just by and large, he's not a high volume three point shooter. So. How do you see him fitting specifically with Drew? Do you think he's going to be the starting point guard and they're going to start Drew at the two again like they did with Rondo or Drew? Or do you think Drew's going to be the starting point guard and Peyton's coming off the bench to do like a run the second unit, presumably with Randall? Yeah, so it's funny because the bigger concern for me with Peyton is, is defense, not offense. I think uh, oh, so I'll, I'll, um, I'll shout out my podcast co-host uh, Schmidt. He wrote a great article this offseason uh, about, he calls it gentry ball. And basically it's uh, looking at how players fit with gentry's style and what he's trying to do. And it, it kind of all revolves around uh, early shot frequency and early shot efficiency. So it keeps it keeps that pace up. And Alfred Payton actually it rates very well uh, as a guy who would fit into, into gentry's system. And he, he, he's able to get to the rim uh, on his own, he's able to convert with a strong, uh, strong rate. He's obviously not a great shooter, so that's a that's a fair knock on him. But I think as far as his offensive skill set relative to what the Pelicans are trying to do offensively, I think it fits really well. Um, I, I think on defense that that he's he's no better than, than than Rondo. I don't think he's any worse than Rondo, but that's about it's about the same. Yeah, maybe he he has a little more size. I think Rondo's got pretty strong wingspan though for his height, so. Um, I wouldn't even call the difference there that that drastic, but um, so defensively that's that's a concern. But I think uh, as long as you're not 
you know, doubling down on the number of non-shooters along with, with Peyton, I think offensively he fits pretty well. Interesting. Uh, I'm excited to see him just because he's still so young. You know, he's what, he's 24. So, like, and he's had some really it's... great franchises he's, he's been with with uh, Magic <laughs> yeah, right. and the Suns. So. Right, exactly. Like, it's I know we're quick to give up on those guys, but and not to say he's going to take a leap like Oladipo did last year, but, like, think about our perception of Oladipo through the first four years of his career, and then he goes to Indiana and just has this, like, monster all-star season. Yep. Uh, again, I'm not saying Peyton's going to have that sure. same type of development curve but like i'm not giving up on a 24 year old who's shown some flashes like if his jumper comes around he'll be a totally fine like 10 year in the league point guard i think and he cut his hair so now he can actually see the basket (laughs) yeah and like and and sometimes I, i i don't give much credit to you know players coming home or anything like that but he's he's from louisiana he went to ull which is two hours from new orleans for college and yeah, you never know. Sometimes you get a little more comfortable when you get into more familiar environments, and we'll you know we'll mm-hmm. see what happens. Yeah. Well, the the other only big other offseason acquisition I want to talk about before we move on, Jaleel Okafor <laughs> coming oh, of home. You do. To coming home to the Pelicans. Uh, <laughs> I read something recently where he was like talking about Markel Fultz, and of course I hate read the entire thing, and he was just <laughs> talking about. You know, like how, uh, where you get drafted and like y- your situation could kind of just screw you over. Um, and he was like, he was just saying, you know, like I have a fresh start with the Pelicans. I'm excited to like join a team that actually wants to win. I haven't been on a team like that before. To which I was just like, fuck you, Jaleel Okafor. <laughs> uh, but what do you have any hope for him at all? Or do you think he's just like a fringe end of the bench guy? So I'm. I feel incredibly confident that he's going to make the roster. That's first, okay. and which is which is a point worth making because it's, his contract's yeah. not guaranteed. Uh, he was at the uh, Jay Z Beyonce concert with AD the other night. I think I think those two are. I think AD is kind of in his corner, uh, which matters, uh, especially mm-hmm. as we get closer and closer to Davis's uh, you know free agency. And so um, I, I I think he'll make the team. I I don't really have any expectations for him. Uh, on on the team, I don't, you know, I, as far as whether or not he's going to move the team's win total one way or another way, I don't I don't see it. I know how bad teams were on the with, with him on the court, I, but I don't I don't think he's going to be a guy you sign and say, oh, Pelicans just got worse. Uh, I don't think he's <laughs> right. going to. I think they'll give him chances in kind of low risk situations and see where it mm-hmm. goes. Because um, I mean, his his workout videos and how how slim down he looks has been the top, one of the storylines of the off season, and so. It's one of those you got. You still got to prove it though, and so yeah. uh, I'm, I'm. I don't. I don't have zero hopes for him, but I also. I don't expect him to move the needle. I. I, I still think the Pelicans on the contract they signed him for. They gave him like maybe 50k or so guaranteed, and that they have a team option for for next season. So, um, it's as about as low risk as you can imagine. So, um, mm-hmm. but that said, I, I you know I, I like I like the signing. Yeah, it's as you said, it's low risk. I'm proud of you for not pulling like a Garpax and being like, oh, we just signed a. Top three pick. We're going to get significantly better. Signed a top ten pick with Alfred Payton. The top three pick. Yeah. We're, going, we're going places. Yeah. So many lottery picks. How <laughs> could you not win 50 games? But, yeah, I mean, I am, I, I'm morbidly intrigued to see what happens here. Because, as you said, like I didn't know he's like that close with Anthony Davis. But I feel like just having a guy like Anthony Davis to go up against in practice, like you're going to have to get better, right? Or he's just going to yeah. destroy you all year. 
Like, I mean, you know, wasn't that the logic to... in in Philly too, though? <laughs> yeah, but like Nerlens also sucked. <laughs> it didn't, and like Embiid wasn't ever healthy. So, but I think when Embiid finally got healthy, he destroyed both Nerlens and Okafor, <laughs> and they were like, "Oh boy, we yeah. gotta get these guys out of here." Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see if Skinny Jaw turns into anything good. Uh, you know, I hope he you does. Know what, Brian? I'm just realizing something regarding that, you know, the the, the trading matchups, because mm-hmm. Okafor could not be at a better place in terms of internal improvement. Look at look at that three headed monster of front court that he's going to go up against against in practice. So you have mm-hmm. AD who can just go inside outside and it's just you know flat out amazing a world beater. Then you have Nico who is just going to stretch, so he has to like read and recover and, <laughs> and you know, hedge and recover, and then you have. The, you know, a very playmaking Julius Randle where you have to, like, play the, the the pass instead of just the shot. So potentially, maybe, just having all those different reads that he has to make all the time in practice can actually improve him. Mm-hmm. You're actually yeah. speaking to... Uh, so the other the other big that really hasn't taken a leap like the Pelicans were hoping is, is Czech Diallo. And, I, and mm. part, of, part of the Okafor logic was also, I think, just to light a fire under his ass and say, hey, you're running out of time here. You... You've you you put up some numbers, but you haven't proven that you're going to be a, a, a legitimate NBA rotation player. Uh, and so I, I think you know all, all those points are fair for Diallo as well, and also just to say, hey, we, we need to see something from you this year. We need to see a real yeah. step, or else we don't have much of a reason to invest any more in you. And so he's got some raw skills, but he really hasn't been able to translate those to being uh, you know, whether you want to call it basketball IQ or just kind of being situationally situationally aware. Um, just to, to, to be a guy who you can count on on a night, night in, night out basis. Mm. Interesting. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back to school styles for kids and baby. Get flip flops for two bucks, graphic tees for four bucks, shorts for six dollars, and jeans for eight dollars. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid size prices. Just two, four, six, and eight dollars. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and Old Navy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance. Well, suffice it to say, the Pelicans are going to be one of the more fun and interesting teams to watch. Again, not just in this division, but the entire league. Um, that said, there is you know another massive team that made it to Game 7 of the Western Conference Finals last year and then missed 27 three-pointers. we got to talk about the Houston Rockets because mm-hmm. they had you know quite... They've got. They still have Chris Paul and James Harden, but they did overhaul their supporting cast a bit. Uh, so Mason, Mort, and I have already talked about Carmelo, but I want to get your take on how do you think he's going to fit in Houston this year? Uh, I mean, I don't think the fit can be too much worse than it was in Oklahoma <laughs> City. Um, yeah. I, I, you know, I, I, I think he'll be. Fine, as long as you have the proper context for what he what you expect from him. Like, I, he shouldn't be playing in any closing lineups. He shouldn't. I mean, whether or not you want to start him and pull him five minutes into the game, I don't. You know, whatever. But I, I, he shouldn't be getting starters minutes. He should be a, a backup off the bench that can maybe keep your keep your uh, scoring for your second unit afloat. Not that they really need that because they t- tend to like to play Harden or Paul uh, at, during a hundred percent of their minutes. But as far as that's concerned, at least you have now two really dangerous uh, offensive options, the guys that can do a lot of things. Um, whether D'Antoni can get him to do the right things on offense, uh, that remains to be seen. Uh, as, as 
uh, fruitful as their Knicks tenure was together. Um, <laughs> but uh, I mean, whatever. They, again, they got him for the minimum. Uh, it's similar to the. It, it's a little more dangerous than the Okafor situation we just talked about because Melo's guy who thinks he deserves a lot of minutes. Um, mm-hmm. But it's it's it feels kind of kind of low risk to me, um, and I, I don't I don't have any I, I don't hate the decision to bring him in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's you, you're right. Like it's a high upside move. It's also much higher risk than Okafor. But you know, if nothing else, like his isolation style is going to fit what D'Antoni is now running in Houston. Just like running nothing but isolations, basically. Um, and if, like, it's just, it's a matter of him buying in, as you said. It's like, if he is willing to accept the role that he is asked to play, which I don't know that he quite right. got there last year, he could be a really, like, people mock this signing, I think, a lot more than they should have. Like, it, there is some significant upside. It's not necessarily going to blow up in their face just because he had a terrible year in OKC last year. So Yeah, yeah like if, if you if you give him the full mid-level exception, like that's a problem. That's like that's like that's what people were talking about New, like New Orleans should have done to keep Rondo and it's just like no. Just that's this yeah. that's not that would not be a smart move. And so the fact they got him for the minimum, I just have a hard time really criticizing it. Right. Yeah, totally agree. Hmm. Um more uh, one of the big storylines before the whole Carmelo thing was they lost Trevor Ariza, I think, on the first day of free agency. Yeah, first day. Um, and then Luke Mbamute also left. So that was, you know, there was a lot of talk about, like, oh, Houston's not going to be the second-best team in the West. Those two guys are so versatile. And, like, those helped them have this defense that I believe ranked sixth in the NBA. They just had all these switchy wings. Right. How much do you think those they are going to miss those guys? And do you think the signing of James Ennis is going to help replace them at all well i mean they're obviously going to sign i think nba twitter had a fun reaction when ennis was signed like oh okay they got someone who can sort of replace these guys but you kind of overlook the fact that ennis is not arisa arisa is special like there's Mm -hmm. a reason he received 15 million this year from phoenix like he is extremely switchable he can hit a high rate of threes. He's just one of those guys who just you can plug and play into virtually in every lineup, and and that is special. So I think they are going to take a step back. What you have to look at is how do they fill the holes, you know, from a different perspective. Like you now you have Melo who can add that scoring punch. Like he might not offer the three and D, but he will offer the three at the very least. And then you have Ennis who who's probably more of a defender than he is like a clear cut. A three-point shooter at this stage, even though he did fairly well last season, I want to say. Mm-hmm. So you have to sort of mix and match a little bit more. You have to be a little more tactical in your approach, which falls on D'Antoni. Like, he needs to figure this stuff out. And you are more than likely going to see P.J. Tucker getting very extended minutes compared to last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see just, like, the lineup combinations in general. Like, you're mm-hmm. obviously going to have Chris Paul, James Harden, Capella getting 30, 35 minutes a night. Carmelo presumably will play 25 to 30. But yeah, like Tucker might be, Tucker might lead the team in minutes. Yeah, Eric might. I mean, Eric yeah. Gordon, my, uh, you know, one of my favorite New Orleans players of all time, is going to have a, no, he's going to have an even, that was pure sarcasm, by the way. Um, <laughs> yeah, he, he's going to have a bigger role now, too. I mean, they, they like playing yeah. three, yard, three guard lineups uh, with him, and now he's going to, they, they, they're going to need more from him on the wing than they did last year. Definitely, yeah. Um, you know, not only was the Mellow signing mocked a lot, but I, I saw some 
surprising backlash to the trade, you know, Ryan Anderson and DeAnthony Melton for Brandon Knight and Marquise Chris. I think a lot of that is because basketball Twitter is very analytically minded. DeAnthony Melton graded out very well in like pre-draft analytic models. There's a lot of talk about like, well, they probably just gave up the best player in that trade and it's DeAnthony Melton. That said, I don't know. I'm kind of high on the move for Houston too. Like I don't think Brand I know Brandon Knight hurt or he's been hurt a lot the last couple of years and we just don't know what to expect from him. But like before all of these injuries, he was fine. Like you don't want him as a 35 minute per game point guard, but they're not going to have that cuz they have Chris Paul and James Harden. Like he strikes me as a totally fine six man off the bench. And then I heard I saw comments from Daryl Morey recently where he seems really high on Marquise Chris too. So Mace, do you, do you have any idea what to expect from those guys this year? Yeah, I had the same reaction to you when, when I saw how people were taking that trade. It's just, I mean, I, so I get the whole, you know, he Melton graded out well, but like the, the dude was a mid-second round pick for a reason. Like, it, I'm not going to, you, you can't just look at NBA Summer League and say that a bunch of teams, you know, missed on him. And I, mm-hmm. I, I think... You know, like I said, if he he has a very good chance of being a good player. I just think people are assuming too much too soon with him. And so with that with that being said, I mean, I think the Rockets made a fine trade. I think it made a lot of sense for them. Uh, they got out of a decent amount of money, and I don't think. Mm-hmm. And even with Melton, he's not a guy who I think was going to help the Rockets this season anyway. Um, right. Very, I mean, very few uh, rookies make a, po- a sizable positive impact in their rookie year anyway, much less second round picks. So. Um, and yeah, I, I, I don't really have high hopes for, for Chris, but I mean, I think he, similar to, similar to Alfred Payton, you know, if he's in a different situation, <laughs> um, who knows what, what, uh, what Dan Tony can get out of him. And I think, uh, I mean, at least I think the fit is a little better. So, um, you know, I, I think the trade made sense for Houston. I don't really have a problem with it. I don't think it moves the needle significantly in either direction for them this year, but um, I, I, I get, I totally get the logic behind doing it. Yeah. I mean, like, all you have to say is they got out of Ryan Anderson's contract without dumping a first-round pick, which no one thought was possible. Like, I think, wasn't it Zach Lowe who at one point reported they were trying to dump it earlier in the year and teams were asking for two first-round picks? Which is, I, I know they took bad money back in Brandon Knight, but again, like, I don't know that he's, in terms of bad money, like, I would rather have Brandon Knight than I would Ryan Anderson. Like, Ryan Anderson proved completely unplayable in the playoffs, Brandon Knight very might well as well, but we don't know. And, like, he's good. If nothing else, he's good insurance because Chris Paul, you know, knock on wood, he'll stay healthy. But if he does, it would be the first time in a while that he's made it through a full 82-game season without getting, like, some injury that knocks him out for a couple games. So if nothing else, he's good insurance that way. Um, And as you said, like, more, I know you're super high on Melton, so you're probably just waiting to like rain down <laughs> fury on us. But I agree with Mason that he might be the best player in this deal overall, like down the mm-hmm. line. But I agree that he wasn't going to help this year. And for a Rockets team that is like firmly in win-now mode, I mean, Chris Paul is already on the wrong side of 30. He's not getting any younger. Right. I think the combo of Brandon Knight and Marquise Chris will help them win now. More than the combo of Melton and Ryan and that, Anderson, whatever. And that, yeah, that's where I disagree. I think Melton is ready, um, and I think he is significantly better than Marquise Chris, who I have no confidence in whatsoever. He was given 
every chance possible in Phoenix, and he just wasted them cons- consistently. Um, and, and in terms of Brandon Knight, you know, he just missed all of last year. The year before, he played like what fifty four games and was fairly ineffective, uh, and played I think fifty two the year before that. So I, I just don't have a lot of confidence in his longevity and and his durability. So I would rather have someone who's plucky and defensive oriented and. Uh, Melton is that. I, I think he's a guy, type of guy. Like, yeah, you, you know, I, I get the whole narrative. He was selected in the second round, but I will say, like, there was a large chunk of people who were just absolutely flabbergasted that he went in the second round. I had him 18th on my mock draft coming in. I was, I was absolutely blown away that he was taken at 46. I was sitting there covering the draft and just going, "What the hell are teams thinking?" And, and a lot of people were. I think he's going to surprise a lot of people. And I, I wouldn't have been surprised one bit if he had been an active playoff body this year. You you know this, Brian. I've said so many times that Melton, he would be guarding, you know, Steph Curry in the conference finals next year. Yeah, so I think yeah. they'd get swept if that happened. <laughs> I, I, I don't necessarily agree. I think this dude is just one of those balls-to-the-walls, hard-effort players who just goes out and gives 100% every single time out. And and it's one of those key guys that you need to have a championship. We'll, we'll see. I mean, look, yeah. Daryl Morey has proved my ass wrong so many times that I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, well, it is definitely a bad trade. He, he can absolutely prove me wrong. Uh, but from what I've seen from Marquise Chris, what I've seen from Brandon Knight over the last couple of years in terms of his durability, I'm just not super high on the deal from Houston's perspective. And mm-hmm. considering, you know, Phoenix took back, you know, you know, DeAnthony Melton, and also drafted uh, Elio Copo. I'm just super high on on what they can do. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah it's. I think just we know Daryl Moore is a very analytical guy, and so first he took the the guy who looked like a steal by the analytics, and then he right. said, "This guy who was a steal also had a great summer league, and his value may be greater than his actual productivity." Mm. And that that may not be the case in a few years, but I, I think at the at the point in time he saw an opportunity to dump that contract. And uh, of Ryan Anderson, and he just took it. Yeah, yeah, which I get. I, I mean, look, he, you both are absolutely right about the Anderson point. Like he could not be on the court in the playoffs. He just got right. played out of the damn game. I mean, yeah. could, could, could just could not read or react to a pick and roll defense. So, absolutely, um, I just question whether that new bad contract is going to be healthy at that point in time. Yeah. Like Brandon Knight, right? I, I think we read. I read something. I'm saying that Knight is not even certain to return uh, at the start of the season as well. I could be wrong, but yeah, I think I read well, something along those lines as well. John Gambadoro, who's a Phoenix-based reporter, says he may not be ready for the start of training camp, but he does expect to be ready for the start of the season. Oh, okay. Um, oh, that's that's a lot better, though. Yeah. Yeah, he had a minor cleanup on his knee. This he reported this at the beginning of September, so he had a minor cleanup of his knee about mid July. Um, so, but I mean that's concerning in and of itself, just based on how many knee issues he's had in recent mm. years. So, I, like that's that's totally fair. That is the concern with Brandon right. Knight. Less so, like, is he going to be productive? Because in whatever role they ask him yeah. to play, I think he will. If only because he'll probably be playing next to one of Chris Paul and James Harden, and he can play either backcourt spot. Those guys, just by nature of how good they are, will make him better. But right. as you said, like, can he make it through a full eighty-two game season? I don't know. Right. Um, and but I think for... there's more 
I think there's more to it. Sorry to interrupt, but one thing we, you know, you and I, we actually talked about this on the podcast. As well, like you, we saw the rumor about Ryan Anderson for for Nicholas Batum, right? Like Ryan right, Anderson right. going for a longer contract. Like yeah. Anderson had two years left, and like where is Houston going cap wise? Like they're not going to have cap space. Mm-hmm. They might as well go for someone who has a more expensive and longer contract because why the hell not? So when you look at those rumors that popped up consistently, and it wasn't just Nick Batum, it was also James Johnson, for example, and then you, then you you get this, you get Marquis Marquis Chris and and Brandon Knight, and you just go, oh, that's that's deflating, <laughs> like that's not what I was thinking. I was guess I would have been excited to see the Rockets add Nick, you know, Nick Batum. Yeah. That would have been awesome. It's yeah. funny because we we've talked about similar things with New Orleans and adding instead of trying to like shed Solomon Hill with the first round pick right. and, and making cap space, why not just go the opposite direction? Instead of taking your chances on a free agent market that might not pan out, go get a guy who's who's a good player, maybe overpaid, but it, it can help your team and is on a longer deal. Like I, I'm not yeah. saying Nick Batum is the guy, but but someone like that. Uh, as another option to free agency, and so it's it's interesting. Uh, I, I think Rockets were in a similar position, and so um, it, I, I, I fully expect the Pelicans to trade their first round pick at some point uh, for for um, you know for a guy who can really help on the wing, and and I think that specific strategy might be one that they look at. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, before we move on, just quickly, both of you, Mace, you can go first. Do you think the Rockets? After all the offseason changes, are they still the second best team in the West this year? Well, they were the best regular season team in the West if we if we yeah. want to split hairs because I think it's important in the sense that in the regular season, I, th- I still think they are a top two team. I'm not sure they're the second best team in the sense of uh, do I think they now they still have the best chance of all the teams in the West of beating Golden State? I'm not sure mm-hmm. about that, but I do think as far as the regular season is concerned, they're still they're still probably one of the two best teams to finish up with a top two record. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll just I'll I'll echo Mace on this one because I just don't see who's going to pop up to the second seed. Like I don't think it's the Lakers. I d- I know you're going to say Oklahoma, <laughs> Brian, because yeah. your boner has been constant for the past couple of weeks. Roberson's now. out for too long. I, I think I, that's that was kind of my point. Like I think in the playoffs, OKC maybe ends up being the second best team in the West. But oh, I just yeah, think that be. yeah, I think Roberson's out for too long to start the year. I don't know if they can really catch up because he was just so important to them last year. Yeah, right, and, and, and also the Westbrook they, they, thing now. Yeah, the Westbrook thing now, and also they need time to figure out where their offense is going to come from. Like I agree, yeah. with Brian, their defense is going to be outstanding from day one, but I think it's going to take like half a year for them to really recognize. Oh, okay, this is where we're going to get those additional points. Like they're not right. going to come initially. So, and I think Houston right now is just a, a more well-oiled machine. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're just going to fire away shots and and <laughs> they're going to drop because that system just works, and. Again, I, I agree with Maze. It's it's a different discussion in terms of the regular season and the playoffs. Right. I wouldn't be surprised to see Houston fall out in round two. I mean, yeah. everything could happen there, but in the regular season, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Even if they, you know, are number one. Yeah, yeah. I, I think mean, their over under was like fifty four point five. I want to say, which felt oh, at yeah, least like was... four or five wins too low. Yeah, like, that, that was just insulting. When they won yeah. sixty five the year before. Right. I mean, yeah. Harden is not going to decline. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if one of them get hurt, I guess. But, no, I, I'm with you guys in thinking, like, top, regular season, I think they're a top-two team. I don't know that they have the best chance to beat Golden State in the playoffs, but who knows who what does? happens. Yeah, yeah who, and, who, like, who knows what happens once you get to the playoffs. If Golden State doesn't come in healthy, it might not matter. 
Like if Steph right. Curry is not there, you, they're going to be a lot more vulnerable. Do you think Bruno Caboclo could become a thing in Houston? He is now zero years away from being zero years away. He is away, zero right? years away so, from man. being there. But I, I just, I mean, look, it's, it's a team that, like you guys said, analytically driven. They might find a way to, you know, sprinkle some fairy dust on him and, and turn him into something useful. Yeah, I guess it's possible. Well, we'll I don't see. Know. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, that, that's one of my side plots for this year, looking over that situation. Of all the sounds you'll hear this summer. <laughs> this might be your new favorite. They're blending up the new chocolate chip iced cap at Tim Hortons. Real chocolate chips blended into an iced cap for a sweet summer treat. It's Tim Hortons' frozen take on a cappuccino. And it just might be the best sound of summer. Hurry into Tim Hortons for the new chocolate chip iced cap. Limited time at participating restaurants. <laughs> well, I know another one of your side plots, Mort, is the Dallas Mavericks. Yes. Specifically, the Luka Doncic hype train is starting oh to God, leave the station. Yes. Yeah. What like what are realistic expectations for him? I mean, in terms of productivity, stats, or just, just you know, impact. In, yeah, anything. All right. Like, okay. It, okay. Realistic, the best rookie in in the class, um, mm-hmm. because he's just the most NBA ready. Uh, this entire idea that he, you know, <laughs> he he didn't play college ball and the NCAA can take the Euro League, you know, with one hand tied behind his back. Like it's ridiculous. Like he was so far. Uh, above everyone else in terms of being NBA ready, and, and I think that's going to carry over. Um, Harrison Barnes was on the jump the other day, and he was just, he was, he had nothing. Just, when when Rachel Nichols asked him about Luca, like he was just, he had nothing bad to say. He was just like, he this dude is dropping dimes when we're yeah. when we're playing. Like he's just doing these things, and it's coming so natural to him. He knows what he's doing in every pick and roll scenario that you can even imagine, and. Yes, that's that just confirms everything we've seen over the last couple of years. So I think he's going to be the second or maybe even primary playmaker. He's mm-hmm. going to hit threes. He's going to get a lot of assists. He's going to get, uh, you know, the, he can fest, he, he can create his own mid-range shot whenever he wants to. I even think we're going to see some post play from him. I, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see him win the Rookie of the Year award. He's, he's that good. And... It wouldn't even surprise me to see him play on his, you know, a pseudo all-star level. He's he's fantastic. You had me until pseudo all-star. A that's, pseudo that's, all-star. That's yeah. like, yeah. But you know what I mean, though. I mean, yeah, yeah. We've had rookies over the last couple of years coming in and, and making like all-star buzz noise. Like Donovan Mitchell yeah. was like an all-star type player. Not, you know, same with Ben Simmons. Even though you know he he had a year in, but. I don't see why Luka Doncic can't have a similar impact as Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. I, well, I would think he's more, like, just in terms of, like, stylistic impact, he'll be more right. along the no, line yeah. of Simmons than, you know. Like, Obviously. Right. Yeah, I'm like, just I'm, influenced them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think Rookie of the Year, I think, are fair expectations. Like, he should enter the year as the Rookie of the Year favorite. Not oh, yeah, only he won't be, but yeah. Right. But, like, not only because... He's more NBA ready than any of those guys, but the opportunity is going to be there. Like yep. they're they're going to put the ball in his hands a lot. I mean, I didn't see Harrison Barnes' comments, but I saw like Dirk the other day was saying he he called him like an incredible talent 
and said his court vision and passing for his size at his age is something I've never seen in my 20 years. Yeah. Like, yep. when Dirk Nowitzki is saying that about you, <laughs> it's a pretty good sign. Yeah. And I, yep. So, I mean, I think that, among anything else, that is the story of this season for the Mavericks, is, like, this very well could be Dirk's last year. This year is the passing of the torch from, like, Dirk has been the face of this organization for 20 years. If they play their cards right, Luka Doncic is going to be the face of the organization for the next 15 to 20. Yep. And he's like, he's that good of a player. Like, he, he should have been the number one pick, that good of a player. Right. I, I agree full out. Uh, that said, Mason, they also have another top ten pick in their backcourt in Dennis Smith Jr. How do you see him meshing with Luka this year? Yeah, it's funny. We heard a ton about Dennis Smith, I feel like, in the first month or so of the season. And then things kind of set. We, I feel like a lot of people tend to forget about Dennis Smith as Donovan Mitchell's hype continued to increase. And it's <laughs> right. like, I, I still feel like Dennis, Dennis Smith had a very solid rookie campaign. And um, it's, it's funny, I was just looking, taking a quick look at it. Sometimes ESPN's depth charts are hilarious. Um, yeah. And what they project, <laughs> and it's had, it currently has uh, Luca behind Dennis Smith at point guard in the depth chart. And I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sure those guys are going to start together. Uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> um, but it, it's me. it's interesting. Like I, I I was looking at this team and like I, I don't know. Like I I feel like I know four of the five starters pretty well. I feel like you know DeAndre Harrison Barnes, Dennis Smith, and Luca. And it's like, who's the fifth starter? Like who are the, is it? West Matthews? Is it? I don't think it's Dirk. It's probably not Dirk, mm-hmm. right? Um, so maybe they run that West Matthews and, and go Harrison Barnes to the four. I don't know, but um, I think that's that'll be kind of. I, I think they could potentially roll out a pretty fun starting lineup, right? With those with those four and someone. I, I don't know. Um, oh yeah, uh, oh, yeah. I, they're going to be fun. Yeah, I mean, even like hell, hell, put uh, Dennis Smith with Luca and either Bray or Devin Harris and just go all out on the ball handling and and, and passing. But, uh, uh, but yeah, it'll be, it'll be fun. I, I think I think Dennis and and Luca will play. I think they'll have to, some stuff to figure out. Um, mm-hmm. It's I, I, it's not going to be an easy like it clicks on day one kind of pairing. It, I think this right. would be hard even for two NBA veterans who are used to. I, I mean, obviously, I don't think it was too tough for Chris Paul and James Harden apparently. But uh, right. I, I think generally speaking, it would be a difficult thing to figure out, and especially if you're so new into the league like like either of these guys. Um, but I, I, it's there's too much talent there for it not to work. Yep. Yeah, I I think the the Paul and Harden thing is definitely the outlier of, yes. but like the same concerns of like too many ball handlers, only one ball, probably does apply, and like Philly will have that with Simmons and Fultz this year as well. You could even say New Orleans with Alfred and Drew. Uh, you know, it, some of these guys are going to figure it out faster than others, and I think if anything, I think it's going to help Dennis Smith to be able to play off the ball a little more just because he's so athletic and they can use him more as a cutter. Like, you know, the same idea applied to Russ and Schroeder in OKC now, too. Um, Just being able to, like, not be the focus of a defense every single possession should only help his efficiency improve. I mean, that was the big knock on him last year as he shot only 39.5% overall. So I think that'll rise into the low to mid-40s if if not better. Um, yeah, I mean, the starting lineup question is really interesting because, you know, Dirk has already come out because, of course, he has and said he's, gonna, he's, like, willing to play off the bench. And I think you're right. Like, I wouldn't play him in the starting five, I don't think, just because 
he was so much more effective at center last year than he was power forward. Like, he's 41. He just doesn't have the foot speed to keep up with these guys anymore. So I think you're right. It's like going to be like Smith, Doncic, Barnes at the four. And then, yeah, i probably put Wesley Matthews at the three. Hmm. Yeah. I, I think that makes the most sense, uh, especially yeah. because you've got a guy. And I don't I, – the one thing I'm not really caught up fully on is Luca's uh, what, what kind of defensive impact we think Luca can make year one. But uh, but mm-hmm. I, so I, I think you may run into some issues on defense. But, I mean, let's, I mean, let's be honest here. The, the Mavericks were picking in the top five for a reason. And so it's not like uh, we expect them to have all these gaps covered. And so as far as – as far as who they've got right now, I, I think I think that probably makes the most sense from to open the season at, as as their starting five. Yeah. Uh, more. This might be Dirk's last year, as mentioned. Uh, mm. That said, you know, getting Luca, getting DeAndre Jordan in there, they did improve like more than say a Portland or right. Sacramento. So, yeah. do you think this team has a chance to compete for a playoff spot this year? Yeah, I think there's a chance. I, I don't think it's necessarily realistic that it's going to end up that way. But mm-hmm. I think there's a fighting chance. And if they solve their, their lineup conundrum and Luca turns out to be the guy that we all expect him to mm-hmm. and, and be that influential right off the bat, then why not? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't see why that couldn't happen if they could replace a team like Portland. Yeah. I think they're going to be frisky. Like, I don't think yep. they're going to make the playoffs, but I think they're going to be like... 11th in the West, and they're going to be really annoying to play every night. I could see that. I could totally see that. I could also see DeAndre just breaking out there just because of the you know, change in scenery. Like, yeah. from all reports, he was I don't want to say the word lazy, but he was he was just kind of stuck over the last couple of years in LA. Maybe this just lights a fire under his ass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like he was checked out mentally, yeah, kind of. Yeah, he was absolutely, yeah, because that, you know, that several people said that. Right. Yeah. So if he yeah. comes in this year, it just... He's not, under, all in. he's not under house arrest anymore, so he's actually a member <laughs> of Dallas. So. Who knows he you finally mean? broke free. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, and he's got two good ball handlers now in Smith and Doncic. Like, Lob City died when Chris Paul left, so you're just, like, mitigating his effectiveness. Like, he's just a rim roller. He's not, he is not a unicorn. He is the opposite of a unicorn. So oh, yeah. if you don't have a good point guard to play with him and to like play pick and roll with him, he's not going to be good. But now they have Smith and Doncic, both of whom can fill that role. And even J.J. Bray off the bench, Devin Harris off the bench. like Even Harrison he, Barnes can, can do that on occasion. Yeah, so like whenever he's on the floor, he's going to have a pick and roll partner. I think you're right. Like I expect DeAndre Jordan to have a bounce back here in Dallas. I know you were not wild about the signing. Like, just the the I'm coming around. Yeah, I mean, not not like the contract because it's one year. Who cares? But just you weren't wild about like was that the best guy they should go after? Yeah, that's you know, yeah. yeah. But I, I I think as a stopgap, especially you know if this is Dirk's last year, if they're gonna have to like replace their entire front court next year, this that's a good way to send them out. DeAndre Jordan's a fine one year fill in, and I think. Yeah. This team's going to be more competitive than people expect, I think. Let's move on now to the Memphis Grizzlies. Since we already got the hype train rolling for one rookie more, Jared Jackson Jr., how excited are you to see him? Honestly, I'm more excited about year two than year one because I think he's so young. 
He's yeah. so young. Was he, I think he was the was he the youngest in the draft list, or at least the, like the top five of, of the. I believe youngest. he was the youngest. Yeah. Yeah. So so I, I and he's coming into a team where Mark is all and and Mike Connolly is very established. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, he's going to get an opportunity to play undoubtedly. And I think he's going to have those spurts where you just look at, where you can just see the potential is oozing off of him. And he's going to have one of those games where he just knocks down every three and blocks like five mm-hmm. shots in like 20 minutes of play. Yeah. And you're just going to look at it and go, oh, look at that guy in five years. So, but yeah, I'm absolutely excited to, to get that first season out of the way so he can get more comfortable. And you, when year two rolls around, he's like, oh yeah, I got this. I yeah. got this. Yeah. 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 And, and I mean, We'll get into it in a second, but Marcus Hall's future on the team is not set in stone. So he could be this year. I feel like he's just going to be in a smaller role because Gasol is there. But if Gasol leaves, whether he's traded or leaves as a free agent next summer, he could be then moving into like a 30, 35 minute per game role and could be their starting center. Then he would join the unicorn party with like Porzingis and MB and Miles Turner and blah, blah, blah. Like he, he is that type of talent. So, we really need to get rid of the unicorn moniker because unicorns are, you know, supposedly supposed to be rare. <laughs> right. We have like a unicorn on so every team. Many. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Mace, Wart and I, we did an over under pod, and one of the ones we felt most strongly about was Memphis. I think it, their over under was like thirty four point five, which we just felt was way too low, assuming Mike Conley is healthy. Like what? Now that he's back, and assuming he stays healthy. People are really sleeping on this team, right? Like they're they're gonna be more competitive than a mid to or low to mid thirty win team. Yeah, I think so. And obviously, that's the key cog is Conley's health. But also, I, I, I like the Kyle Anderson signing for them. I, I think, and we'll talk about it more in a second with the Spurs. But I think that c- coupled with what happened with the trade they made with Kawhi and Danny Green, I think that's a real problem for San Antonio. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I just I think that you know if, if this team can stay healthy, you know, obviously the the West is just such. So, so deep, keeps getting deeper every year, it seems like. But I, I think this team's got enough to, to be competitive. I mean, uh, obviously with, with guys like Gasol and Conley, they're not young anymore. And so the you know the, the fallback is, is coming. Um, you could even argue it's, it's already started to. But they've got, they've got top-end talent. There's no question about that. And so I, I think if you're thinking about this team just through the lens of last season, I think that's, that's not the right way to do it. And so... Yeah, I, I I probably don't feel as strongly about the over as as you guys, but I definitely do think if I had to pick one, I would pick over for Memphis. Yeah, the the only thing was when I was looking back was like they had you know last year they were awful, but like the I think it was like seven each of the last seven years they had at least forty wins, and like yeah they lost Zebo they lost Tony Allen, but like between Jaron Jackson and the other guys they added this off season. Again, it, it all depends on Conley's health. If he goes down again, they're going to be a sub-30 win team. But if he stays healthy, he, to me, they're they're similar to Dallas in that, like, I don't think they make the playoffs, but I think they're going to be very annoying to play every night. Yeah. I think they're yeah. going to be good. I, I, yeah, I, I think it's tricky. It's kind of like the Minnesota Timberwolves over-under, right? Because, like, I, I think them, if you assume that Jimmy Butler is on the team all season, I think... I think it's an easy overpick for me. However, right. we don't know what's going to happen there, and I think the same is true for Memphis. It's not just it's not just Mike Conley. It's also will they trade Marcus All like you, like you said? And so there's a bunch of what ifs there that that probably drove their over under down a little bit. 
And so if, if we just look at it through the context of what's the team look like right now, yeah, I, I think it's an over. But there's, there's probably too many unknowns there to, to feel super confident about it, in my opinion. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't go bet the house on Memphis, but <laughs> if I had to bet, I would pick the over. But yeah, more, let's talk about Marcus Hall for a second, because as mentioned, he's a free agent next summer. If, you know, God forbid, if Conley goes down again, or if they just right. start off really slow... Do you think they consider a Gasol trade? They should. I mean, it, it's the same answer as I gave, you know, a, a week ago in terms of the Jimmy Butler question. Like, yeah. yeah, you should consider it. I mean, the worst thing an organization can go through is lose a ma- major asset for nothing. It's just right. not good business. Um, a lot of teams do it, and they end up going, oh, maybe we should have traded the guy while we still could. <laughs> right. and, and Gasol, I mean despite his age, still has very significant value. He's another unicorn because he can shoot the three, and he can pass from the low post, the high post. He can also initiate plays from, from outside the three-point line. He, he is a guy who can plug into virtually every system, mm-hmm. and he will be a major asset. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if there's a team out there that's looking to to make a run at the finals, I, I could see them paying quite a lot for Marcus All, for the, even if it's just for... A, a somewhat short time. Yeah. The, 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 the trick there is the same thing that I, I, we kind of saw with, with DeMarcus Cousins. Is like, and I, and I mark it, look, to be clear, like Marcus also a, a superior player to DeMarcus Cousins. But I, I think what we saw, the, the market for centers continued to, to dwindle. The, mm-hmm. I, I, that's what, I mean, Cousins got frustrated and ended up taking the deal with Golden State. And it's just, it's kind of, I think the same logic kind of applies where how many teams really, really need a center, you know? And I, to be, I mean, granted, Marcus All is an upgrade over most team centers, um, but it's a question of how much you're willing to pay for a rental of a guy who's who, who's a, playing a position who, that's kind of kind of falling by the wayside a little bit, and also uh, most teams feel like they're pretty set there. So, so mm-hmm. it'll I'll be very curious to see, and and I agree they should if they're you know looking at uh, missing the playoffs by a, a decent margin and want to move them at the deadline. I think they they should absolutely consider it, but. Who you know? Who's going to pay for him, and what are they going to pay? Yeah, that that's the good question. I mean, like the Lakers strike me as a team that would be interested, but I just don't know how they make the contracts work. I guess you would have to include KCP, and then mm. probably one of Kuzma or Josh Hart. And I still don't even know. They might have to throw in a little bit of filler on top of that. But San Antonio. I mean, maybe I get who would they trade though. Yeah, that, that's. Uh, I'm sitting here thinking. I mean, they would have to sacrifice some of the young guys, but they can't really afford to do that. I think. But, I mean, I don't know. They went all in on DeRozan. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he would be a great fit there. I guess. He would. Pow is earning enough where you probably could just flip him with, like, one of Walker or Murray, and do it. Yeah, I mean, I, I personally wouldn't. Cool. I wouldn't do it, but I could just see like their logic would. would could be that you know going right. oh you know what we have Demar, he's twenty nine I want to say so maybe get something and see if we can make a final run before we blow everything to hell. Yeah, or I could see like the Heat maybe just trying to dump Whiteside and like send a pick out. Oh, interesting. With yeah. that to get Gasol as well, but it's a fair question. That you're right, Mason. Like there is not a huge market. Like most teams are pretty set at center or will not pay what right. the Grizzlies want for mm-hmm. him. So that will complicate things. Um, You did mention Kyle Anderson already. 
I also just like they had a low key really good summer. Like getting mm-hmm. Jaron Jackson at four was just amazing. Like Morton and I both had him as the second best prospect in this draft. Kyle Anderson, you know, they might have paid him a little more than they should have, but like he's going to be a good fit there. If nothing else, they don't have to rely on Chandler Parsons as much, which is a win in and of itself. And also like getting Garrett Temple, yep. Omri Caspi, like this Javon team Carter. Ha- yeah, this team has a bench again, right? Yep. Yeah, I, I totally totally agree. I think they're they're kind of got back to the grit and grind Grizzlies, right? They're they're I, I don't know where the offense is going to come from, but <laughs> right. but defensively they're they're long and they're talented, and so I think they're going to be the typical Grizzlies that we've come to know. They're going to be pests and it's going to be uh, you know except when Chandler Parsons is in, <laughs> which he's not going to be. He's going to play ten games and he's going to get off for the year again. At Pathways Financial Credit Union, we know things come up that might require extra family funds. You could use the equity in your home to help pay for almost anything, from home improvements to a family vacation. Our home equity line of credit has rates and payments much lower than a traditional loan or credit card. Find out why Pathways is the fastest-growing credit union in Ohio over the last 10 years. Visit one of our convenient locations or check us out at PathwaysCU.com. Offer of credit is subject to credit approval. Pathways is an equal opportunity lender and is federally insured by by the NCUA. Uh, let's finish things up now with the San Antonio Spurs. Obviously, the big storyline of the summer for them was the Kawhi Leonard trade. So since he's gone, DeMar DeRozan is in. He is now the big storyline for them this season. Mort, do you think a career year is ahead for him with him under Popovich? No, not this year, next year. Because Ooh. as Richard Jefferson said once, it, it takes about a year to understand San Antonio's system. It's okay. not something you just enter into. It takes a while to gain that level of trust that's needed within the boundaries of the offense. Mm-hmm. And it just takes some time to get acquainted to that and to get acclimated to that system and to pop because he is a, a special character um, on the sideline. So I, I think that is going to prove true for DeRozan as well, especially because he's so you know, high volume. Next year. Next year, I think, could be a career year. That's interesting. I I've just read like too many hype pieces, I guess, about DeRozan oh, yeah. just talking about like how pissed off he is about the trade and like like he's know. gonna be good. Yeah, yeah. I guess career year is probably ambitious, but because wasn't that I last think... year? Wasn't last year a career year for him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I'm just excited to see him under Pop. Like maybe in terms of like points per game production, he won't. You know, he he might not like his. Career high was 27.3 in 2016-17. I don't know that he goes there again, but it wouldn't surprise me at all. Last year he set a career high in assists with 5.2. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes even higher this year under Pop. Yeah, like I'm just excited to see the ways in which Pop deploys him because I think it's going to be different. It's going to like reinvent what we expect from Demar Derozan, if that makes sense. I think it does. I think it does. He's probably going to be. I mean, maybe even the primary playmaker over Murray, even. Mm-hmm. That wouldn't surprise me at all. I, yeah. I, yeah, it, it, it all depends on how he reads the the offense and how he reads his teammates. And, and, I mean, again, it's feasible that he has a career year with the Spurs in his first one. I, I don't know. I'm just saying, like, the offense isn't, you know, it's not <laughs> or, or it's not Houston. Just, hey, just remember to take a shot before the shot <laughs> clock hits 20. <laughs> right, right. You know, it's there's a little bit more intricacy into it. So, 
yeah, I, I'm interested in seeing DeRozan in, in San Antonio, and also I'm I'm kind of annoyed though at, at you know the whole the whole hating aspect of oh it's all going to be mid range jump shots. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, there is going to be a lot of it granted, but they're going to be of high value. It's going to be a highly you know high, high percentage mid range shots, and there is a difference between a contested mid ranger and an open mid range shot. Right. And people just have begun because of this new era of three ball and all. People are just like every every mid range shot is bad. Like, yeah. No, there are nuances to it. Like an open mid range shot can be a good shot. Like don't overthink this. And yeah. San Antonio are just so damn good at, at just finding these open mid rangers. So I think that will just do him so good. Especially if your two best players like. They are known for being able to hit those shots consistently in DeMar DeRozan mm. and LaMarcus Aldridge. Like, yeah, it's aesthetically, it's not going to be the most beautiful style of basketball. It's not going to be like oh, the 2014. Well, it's not going to be like the 2014 Spurs or like the Warriors from the past couple of years. But I mean, I think it's still going to be like the Spurs are just in general, they're going to be better. They're another team where it's like, the Vegas over-under was too low on them. And I'm seeing, like, yeah. some people are predicting I'm going to miss the playoffs. The Spurs are not going to miss the playoffs. Uh, I'm, I'm, one of them. I'm one of them. Oh, you are? I am. Really? Yeah. I, oh, I hear this. Uh, well, so let me preface this by saying that I think Greg Popovich is a genius and the best coach of all time. That okay. That said, I don't know where the defense is going to come from. I know DeJounte Murray is great. No, mm-hmm. no arguments there. However, that's where it ends for me. I just And I know Pop has has this habit of pulling defense and things like that out of thin air and getting the most out of his guys, and I get that. But I just think they lost so much on the wing as far as defense is concerned. And given how good the conference is this year, I have them nine. Like, I have them ahead of Portland. And I, if they make the playoffs, it obviously would not shock me at all. But as of right now, I have them as the ninth seed and missing because I just don't know where the defense, apart from DeJounte Murray and on the, in the backcourt, is going is to come from. And I don't think they're going to score at a rate that's high enough to overcome that. It's interesting. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I get, like, Kawhi only played nine games, so I'm not really, like, factoring him into last year's defense. But right. that said, Danny Green is a huge yeah. loss for them. Like, that, I totally agree. That flies under the radar when we're talking about both, like, what Toronto gained and what San Antonio lost. Because, like, yes, he was a streaky shooter, but he was a very good defender. Right. And as you mentioned, Kyle Anderson as well. Um but it's yeah, like this might just be me thinking Popovich is an absolute wizard, and like which is fine. There's nothing wrong. Yeah, with <laughs> I, like I I have long past the days where I could doubt Pop. Like he turned Pau Gasol into a half decent defender. I'm I'm so ready for Dante Cunningham, Pelicans cast off to become this major piece for them, and me just being super. <laughs> <special>. <laughs> well, because. Well, well, I'm just saying, like Rudy Gay has now come out and said, like he feels yeah. healthy and athletic again. Yeah. I could see him having, you know, he's now a year and a half removed, I think, from the Achilles tear. So, mm-hmm. like, he could be much better than he was last year as well. And, and the addition of Lonnie Walker, you were getting mm-hmm. some much-needed explosivity and athleticism into that team. I mean, granted, an NBA defense is not, you know, for most rookies, that's a challenge. Um, but but And I think it's going to be a challenging for him as well. But his, his physical profile will have him be able to cover a lot of bases. And I also think Jakob Bertel, like yeah. at least at the rim, will provide some defensive context. I, I agree with you, your overall point though, Mace, that you know the, that defense is that took a step down. Like you don't have yeah. that difference maker. You don't have that sole guy like Danny Green who can just go in and like switch and, and be a terror on the ball. 
but I think collectively there is at least a chance that Pop will will find the, the, the guys that work out and have them increase like collectively enough up to the point where it's it's a playoff team. But I mean, you could easily be right about this and they could be an absolute train wreck uh, defensively. I think you know, going back to Deontay Murray, like if he becomes this all defensive type guy, like then maybe he overtakes Danny Green's role in that mm-hmm. sense, like from a defense sure. perspective. Yep. But yeah. I don't know. It's it's at least worth thinking about. Like I, I yeah. agree that yeah, they're defensively they they might be they might be a step slow. Yeah, I, I I think if you put that lineup on any other team that's not coached by Pop or, or maybe even like Brad Stevens for example, like oh, I, I, I think that's a bottom five defense in the NBA. So that's that's oh, yeah. my that's my concern. And, and and again, I Pop has worked wonders before. This wouldn't be this wouldn't be outside of the norm for him. But I just. Yeah, I I, it, I struggle, and even even Deontay Murray, like he he played like fifteen to twenty minutes a game last year, and which is mm-hmm. I feel like not many people have talked about that. I did because people were trying to tell me he was better than Drew Holiday on defense, and I was I was telling people to pump the brakes on that one because oh, Drew, yeah. Drew Holiday was playing twice as many minutes as him. But uh, he he's got to be able to do it for, and I think he can. I mean, he's he's very talented on the defensive end, but he, he's got to, he, they're going to ask him to play way more minutes this year than he played last year. And mm-hmm. so how does he react to that? And, and he, especially when you consider that he's going to be the defensive anchor on the perimeter for them. So a lot, a lot of questions there. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. That, that's a fair point. You guys are forgetting that Marco Bellinelli is going to turn into the second coming <laughs> of Kawhi Leonard. So Marco, <laughs> just, Quincy Pondexter, Dante Cunningham, <laughs> the, the roster's full of New Orleans castoffs. Yeah. <laughs> Stellar defenders and New Orleans castoffs all the same. <laughs> yeah. uh, the last question for the Spurs before we go. LaMarcus Aldridge had a career, well, not a career year, but like his best year in San Antonio last year that comes after... He had the whole like meltdown in the Western Conference Finals. Pop called him out, said he was timid. He demanded a trade. They had that face to face, and we will like hash things out and figure out how best to use him. Mace, do you think he's going to take a step back this year now that he has to share touches with Demar Derozan? Like, do you think his the year he had last year was a product of him being able to go back to being that number one option? So now that he's splitting touches with another high usage guy, he's gonna decline a bit or do you think that you know that that preseason face to face just like solved all their issues and he's just going to be good for them for you know in perpetuity because he's pop uh, i i'm not concerned on it from like any sort of personality disagreements or anything like that I, i'm more concerned that it, it's a it's a you're adding a dynamic uh ball dominant player into that uh you know all that that very much team mentality in San Antonio and, and and like Mart said I think I think it probably takes takes a year for it to fully fully gel but I have every bit of confidence that it can but also and I feel like I've kind of harped on this decent amount throughout the pod Lamarcus well, Aldridge is 33 years old um, and I feel like at some point I, I, his game isn't one that's going to be super impacted by age what what he does well is not it doesn't heavily rely too heavily on athleticism but I still think. You know, at some point, you're like like I said about Gasol, you're gonna start, or, or even Conley, you're gonna start thinking about taking steps back because you know you've just put so many minutes and, and miles on on your body, and so uh, I, I think it's gonna be tough, uh, a little tough sledding at the start for the DeRozan reason, and also just because I think uh, you know as pl- as players age, they just tend to decline a little bit. Yeah, that's a fair point. More, yeah. uh, any final thoughts on Aldridge or the Spurs before we go? Well, I I think Aldridge 
and and DeRozan specifically. I, I think they're going to pair well and and probably a little bit better than than, than most fans believe because of the, all the mid range hoopla. <laughs> um, it's it seems that the Marcus is so great at actually playing off of others as well that I think it's going to be so almost an asset for him to get a guy like DeRozan whose defense is just key in on. Like when he goes into like the the mid post or you know in the elbow area. Like teams just turn their heads so much to see oh where is he going with this because he can pass, like mm-hmm. he'll find the open corner shooting on the opposite on the weak side, so I think Aldridge is just going to use that attention that that he's going to demand that Rosen is going to demand, and just feed off of that a bunch. I, for some reason he didn't do it with Kawhi because you know he was at odds with Pop and like the whole chemistry thing was just off, but now that he's sort of had his kumbaya moment with Pop. I think he's more inclined to be open-minded about it, and when you know DeRozan comes in and 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 Aldridge has just had the year that he's had, where he averaged what twenty-three, I want to say. I just think he's he's more ready now to play off of a strong perimeter player. I, I have a feeling they're going to be really good together. Yeah, uh, I'm excited to see it. Uh, well, that's going to wrap things up for us this episode. Mason, thanks again for joining us. Uh, just remind our listeners one more time where they can find your Twitter and where they can find your work. Sure, yep. So, uh, again, for, right uh, for Bourbon Street Shots, uh, you can find any of our work there, bourbonstreetshots.com. Um, my Twitter handle is just my name, and then Bourbon Street Shots is uh, site's name with uh, street abbreviated. Great, yeah. Give Mason a follow. It's going to be a lot of Anthony Davis hype this year. We should all be excited for that. In the meantime, follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. You can find our Twitter handles in our bio, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. We'd love any feedback. And we're being hosted on the Almighty Baller Podcast Network, so check them out on Twitter at AlmightyCasts. Until next time, I'm Brian Tapork, and I was joined by Morton Jensen and Mason Ginsburg. Have a good one, guys. You too, Brian. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clothes. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance.